This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. to see you this morning. We're in a series called Formed, uh, called Changed, in, uh, Changed into His Likeness. Whoops, give myself some more space. I uh, just want to give you like, uh, an, uh, up to speed. If you um, haven't been with us, you're very welcome to go back and listen. Um, people have been saying they've been quite good, you know, so hopefully you'll go back and listen. So we, in the first week we talked about, uh, in, in Formed, number one, we talked about call to be a disciple of Jesus. And we use this quote from German uh, pastor who was killed in the Second World War. Being no doubt, following Jesus wasn't simply a, a spoken confession of faith in Jesus. Following Jesus wasn't a theory, but a radical, obedient action. And what we're trying to say is that actually following Jesus isn't just something that happens in your head and it doesn't affect the rest of your life and the rest of your week. It's something uh, that, that impacts who you are day to day. And uh, so we talked about that in the first one. The second one, we... Uh, I, we talked about five pathways to formation, and because I love the graphics that our designer did, I'm going to show you the different graphics for the different five pathways. So we talked about, uh, we're going to talk about loves, how the deep desires of our heart form us. We're going to talk about story, the idea or worldview, what we believe, and we talked about uh, the, the cross uh, shaping us uh, in a world where we want to be shaped by self. Uh, we talk about community, we're going to talk about community, uh, Christopher's going to do some stuff on that in a, in a couple of weeks, uh, community, we're formed by the people around us, our experience is formed by the significant moments, that's coming uh, in a few weeks as well, and uh, today I want to talk about practices, our embodied habits, and formed number three, as I mentioned, was a, a story one, uh, the cross of Jesus in a culture of self, it's, so I want to talk today about the power of habit. I didn't really know what to call it, uh, different books, so here's a, a little book that's called The Life You Always Wanted by a, a guy called John Ortberg, uh, so I've used some of his and lots of other books, uh, so he talks, his chapter on, on, on what I'm talking about here is called Training, uh, Not Trying, um, and uh, I've heard uh, uh, Dallas Willard, who I keep quoting, he talks about effort, not earning, and we'll talk about all of those, but I want uh, to talk really, my big title today is The Power of Habit. So let's read scripture, pray, and then go to work. So 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, and um, verse, starting at verse 24, this is Paul. He uses this idea, actually, all the way through, this idea of kind of athletics or uh, running or races or fights. He says, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, obviously he's writing to Corinth, Corinth is part of Greece, they had games, the Olympic games, they had the Isthmian games, they had games, um, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. 
or fight, is obviously switching metaphors from athletics to boxing, fight like someone beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and master it so that after preaching to others, I will not myself be disqualified. Father, I just pray as we, as we look at these, these verses and we look at the, the power of habit and the importance of training, Lord, we, we confess we're not good at this. Lord, I'm not good at this. Lord, but we know that you can empower us uh, to become those that run the race, that run towards this great prize of you, Lord Jesus. And we say, Lord, help us. Lord, we don't want to be passive. We want to be those who understand the nature of training, the nature of effort, but the nature of your grace empowering us and lifting us. So be with us as we listen this morning. So let me just talk a little bit about habit uh, I've used this quote, uh, some of these quotes before, uh, and, and Dillard, uh, she's an American um, literary writer, she says, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And I know sometimes we kind of tend to think that actually how we spend our days are those kind of significant moments, it's that thing that I did there, or it's that thing that I did there, and that, and that is, in one sense, is true, but actually... Just the day-to-day routines of your life is how you spend your life. And, and I sometimes kind of stress about that, particularly when Naomi's telling me to stop wasting time. Uh, uh, you know, I'm on my phone again with my uh, idolatry, checking the football scores. It's been good, but there's been no football. But then there's rugby, isn't there? Uh, so, you know, I, I, and I feel like, why do I waste my time so much? But, you know, and, uh, how, but how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Oh, we want to spend our lives in something purposeful and significant, but we often spend it in very average kind of things. Uh, and, and Tish Warren, who's uh, um, an Anglican preacher who lives in the States now, she said this, and I think this is just powerful. The crucible of our formation, the crucible is like where you melt kind of metal and pour it into a mould. The crucible of our formation is the anonymous monotony of our daily routines. You know, we tend to think anonymous monotony has nothing to do with your Christian life, that Christian life's about some other things. But anonymous monotony, just what we do with our day-to-day stuff. Oh, I thought that was my heart beating then. I thought, Flynn. It did sound like a heartbeat. I felt like, whoa, man. They rewire us. So the the anonymous monotony of our daily routines, they rewire us from the core to see the world a certain way, and to desire certain things. It means the habits of our lives shape the desires of our lives, which in turn shape the direction of our lives. So we kind of think, well, I'm really committed to big purpose and meaning in my life, and that's what I want. But actually what she says is that those, those, those desires are shaped by the day-to-day things we do, the little things like that. And so we kind of want that big thing there. I'd like to live a meaningful life. I'd like to be the kind of person that does that. But actually, she's saying it's the little things here, the day-to-day things here. And she says the mist- misdirected loves mid leave to misdirected desire, uh, lives. And, and, I, and I, I don't know if, if, if you've thought about this, that you probably don't think about your day-to-day habits you t- you pr- the thing about day-to-day habits is that they're extremely unconscious. You don't really do them. I mean, you know, we, I've mentioned it before, and I think we're going to have a, a, a talk about it. But, you know, the, Christopher mentioned it, that he's got it in his hand now. 
about your iPhone. You know, I mentioned it a few weeks ago. We don't even know that. I found myself waking up this morning. Naomi got up early to go for a run because she's this highly disciplined sort of person. She's run 10 miles this morning, I think. Oh, I kind of rolled over in bed. And, and on the, the most effort I managed was just to, to reach. And I, there's that little black thing there. And I just reached for my phone. I thought, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? I'm, like, I'm still asleep. Why am I doing that? It's like, my phone. And, then we've, and we've got that kind of little habit that we don't even notice. We don't even notice. And, and I was thinking about that. And um, uh, I read this. Not that I'm a, I, I googled this kind of idea and to see if I could find somebody important to talk about it. Here's this Texas Counseling Journal. I must admit, I don't subscribe to the Texas Counseling Journal. <laughs> you know, I don't know what they counsel about Texas, like don't use your guns, you know, whatever. I don't know what they talk about in Texas. But I found this one very helpful. Every thought, feeling, habit, skill or behavior uses the brain's neuropathways to interact with the body parts. So brain and body. What you're doing with your body is wiring your brain, and what you're doing with your brain is affecting your body. As a, as a person's brain reward circuitry gets used over and over again, the brain rewires itself for addiction, and new neuro, neural pathways are created. This brain changing is referred to as neuroplasticity. In other words, your brain is easy to be shaped. Remember, we talked about everybody's being shaped. We're not neutral. We're not fixed. Everything's being shaped. Whether the activity is playing the guitar, tying a shoe, riding a bike, or even looking at porn. The brain changes the more we utilise a specific neural pathway. And the stronger the pattern becomes for repeating that behaviour. In other words, the more you do things with your body, the more, and that feels good, the more you want to do things with your body. So it's very true, isn't it, that, that old habits die hard? You know, we don't have these kind of proverbs kicking around in society because it's true. Old habits die hard. In other words, because old habits are things that you've done over and over and over again. Old habits, they're wired into you and it's really, really hard to stop doing old habits. You know, I was going to quote, what's his name, uh, Ed Sheeran, Bad Habits, but then it's all about well, if you know the song, let's not quote it, you know, the bad, the bad habits that he's up to. Um, and, and I thought about this, and I was kind of thinking about, that that's is a video on YouTube. You, it's quite funny, if you, if, you, if you Google it, it's called the, the reverse bike. So basically, you know what, if, who, who, who can ride a bike here? Okay, let's just get a little bit of engagement. Most of you can ride a bike here. So you know what happens when you ride the bike, you, can, you turn the wheel that way and it goes that way, doesn't it? So this guy engineered a bike that if you turn the wheel this way, it goes that way. Yeah? It's called a reverse bike. Has anyone seen this? Yeah, yeah a few of you, a few of you geeks. That's the thing about being a gentleman. There's always lots of geeks. So, <laughs> so there's kind of this bike. And then what they did is they basically got people of different ages. So they've got people like my age. I'm 62 at the next month. So like, wow, I have got a lot of old habits. And then they've got people in their 40s. And then they've got like kids uh, who've just learned to ride their bikes. Guess how long it took for somebody in their 40s to learn to actually do that? Anyone have a go? No? Eight months. Eight months for them to not fall off their bike because it's reverse. Guess how long it took kids? Two days. Two days. Little sidebar parenting really matters. Parenting really matters because your kids are super plastic. 
You know, this idea that they're formed and that you just need to respond to what they are, it's just a lie. They are super plastic. In other words, they are formable. That's what education's about. That's what parenting's about. You can teach your kids good or bad. Now, I think my my mum and dad did okay, but I've got one or two habits. I'm going to confess a habit now. Hold on to your hats, okay? But I'm going to use a quote to confess a habit, but the picture will give away the habit. Okay. This is a quote from a book called, by a guy called James K. A. Smith. It says, you are what you love. He says this. It's not just you are what you eat. You are what you want to eat. And that, this is something that is learned. Your hungers are themselves a kind of habit formed by certain practices. Those hungers, in turn, propel you into routines and rituals that solidify those habits. Eating is one of those human habits that's overwhelming. Uh, activities is overwhelmingly governed by the power of habit. Now, I, am a, I have our little secret habit. My wife's on kids' work today, so it's quite good. But I've got, I've got a little secret habit. She's, she does buy me a very small bar of dairy milk. I mean, she buys it on Monday, and it's gone by Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, I just... Do, do, part, you can say, I've just got a sweet tooth. But the reality is, in my house, we had stuff that Yorkshire people call pop. I know you call it soft drinks, don't you? But in Yorkshire we called it pop. You know, there was always pop and sweets and chocolate. That was what we had. We had meat and potatoes, pop, sweet and chocolate. So what happened is I'm wired to meat and I'm wired to sweets. I'm wired. Gavin, don't admit it, man. Don't admit it. It's just like, this is an example of a bad habit. <laughs> You're not supposed to say, yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, I remember one time, full confession now, I've got a place where I keep all my hats Christopher was looking for some, uh, come in my office and looking for a stick, and he's looking for this uh, memory stick, and he moved all my hats and found my chocolate hiding under my hats. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> I'm just, oh please, Lord Jesus. And you know, I've had people tell me it's bad for your heart, you don't want diabetes. I'm working really hard, but it's like, old habits die hard, eh? That doesn't, that, the, the talk is not like, don't give your kids chocolate. That's not where we're going. Oh, right, we went to church and said, don't give your kids chocolate. It's just an example. Just an example. But don't give your kids chocolate, says Joe. Okay. So, Paul says, doesn't it? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, there's this idea of human flourishing that we all have. Everybody has that. You've got an idea in your head. This is what really the good life looks like. Now, you might think it's one thing. But really what you make your effort towards, what you run towards, is what you want. Uh, you know, at the moment, in the middle of February, I think, oh, the good life would just be in Cape Town. Some of my friends are in Cape Town. I think, I want to be in Cape Town. I want to be in Cape Town. Yeah, Christopher's going in a few weeks. But, you know, I just, oh, I want to be there. And you think, that's the human flourishing. But actually, the, the big prize is that we want to be like Jesus. Say yes to that. Yeah, we want to be like Jesus. Uh, but the Dallas Willard, and we've quoted a lot about this kind of idea of we want this big prize, we want to be like Jesus, but uh-uh, we're just eating chocolate. The general human failing is we want what is right and important. That's true, you wouldn't be here if that wasn't true. But at the same time, not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is, why the, this is the feature of human character, character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That, that is not a sermon on hell, don't, please don't say that. But it's the, the idea, we've got the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, tomorrow I'll do it. 
Tomorrow I'll do it. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. So how do we get there? How do we get there? I mean, I have, there's, there's a thing called Strength Finder, 34 strengths. One of the strengths is called discipline. Yeah? My wife must have it near the top. I mean, she's got Joe Wicks, and she's got her exercise, and her bike, and, her, and I'm like, my discipline, like, is for me, is like, there's 34, it's like 29. It's like, oh, discipline, I hate it. I don't want to do discipline, I want to watch Leeds and eat chocolate. I don't want to do, I, yeah, I want to live a meaningful life, but I'm so stuck in this kind of like, uh-huh. So the way that the Bible tells you is to try, not to try really hard, but to train really hard. Uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy, young man Timothy says, train yourself to be godly. For while bodily training of some value, godliness is of great value in every way. So it's almost like train yourself to be godly. So I thought, you know, what does train yourself to be godly? Well, it's obviously you get your Bible, you get a big heavy Bible, you, like in the morning it's like, yes, I'll just do those exercises, yes. And, you know, but, you know, in one sense... It's kind of true, but obviously it's not just kind of lifting weights, but it's this kind of repetitive sense of I'm going to do something that's going to help me to, tr- to train. It's, Paul says to Timothy later on, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and say it, training, training in righteousness. If you want to be a godly person, if you want to live, to live like Jesus, you, you've got to train yourself. You, got to, you don't just come naturally. You just kind of think, and I know some of you are thinking, oh man, this feels like, a, this is like a load of heavy, like we've just got to discipline ourselves. No, it's not. Because the, the alternative is just to try really hard. You know, if you try really hard to be nice to people, you know, so what, sometimes Naomi will say to me, blah, 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 and I say, I'll try. And she's like, it's not good enough. It's like, no, no, no. I'll try. And she's like, it's not good enough. Because she knows that, that how much willpower I've got, but she knows how much willpower you've got. If you say, well, I, I'll try. You know it's not going to last, is it? You know, those, the, the kind of New Year's resolutions, they last till kind of Tuesday, don't they? You know, you're done, aren't they? You come to listen, listen to a sermon, and you say, well, maybe, maybe the guy last week, Pete's preaching, you say, I'm going to live this godly life. You know, you're done by, 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 by Monday morning, you forgot it all. You've got to try and say, I'm going to get myself into gear. I'm not going to just try really hard. I'm going to put some training practices in, in, in place that help me to be the kind of person that God has called me to be, to live towards that big goal. Uh, so one of the, the things you hear about, about training is practice makes perfect. Yeah, we all know that, practice makes perfect. It's around there because actually it's true. Aristotle, it's good to quote him, makes you look intelligent. That's not my aim. We are, sorry, what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not a moment but a habit. That picture is, does anyone know? Federer, not Federer, no. Andre Agassi. Andre Agassi, I've talked about him before if you've been around. Andre Agassi's dad said, I want to make you a Wimbledon champion. Andre Agassi didn't have much choice in it, but kids are easily formed. And so he basically said, you're going to hit two million tennis balls before the age of 18. Two million tennis balls before the age of 18. And guess what? He did, and he won the Wimbledon. There's a book called uh, uh, 10,000 Hours by a a table tennis player who lived in Reading called uh, Matthew Syed, and he talks about 10,000 hours of practicing. And what he did is the kids on his street were all bored, and he said, oh, come and play table tennis. 
and he got all these kids, there were like 20 kids on his street, said, oh, come play table tennis, and they just played table tennis, and he taught them to play table tennis. Three of them play, played for England because they practiced. Now, I go out on my golf course on a Tuesday, and I think, okay, where are my clubs? Right off I go, and then I try and hit the ball, and I think, why am I so bad? And then I watch these videos, and it says, right, do this practice, and I think, oh, I just don't want to be bothered. But, you know, and so I just throw my clubs around, feel frustrated. And we're like that in our Christian lives. Like, well, why don't we practice? Why don't we practice to get better? But we, but we think, no, no, no. So, so Paul says, doesn't he, everyone who competes into the games goes into strict training. And it likes the word strict training. <laughs> Nobody. Oh, there's one, somebody up there. Yes, thank you, Bruce, up in the gallery. Yes, strict training. My wife loves strict training. She's like, give me strict training. You know, give me a plan. Give me some strict training. You know, she's one of these early rising, gold star loving, kind of chart making, kind of action point person. I'm not that person. I wish I was that person. It's really hard for me to preach on this. Not, I, I'm preaching on it because I, not because I've, I've cracked it, but because I think, man, I need to do this. And you think about athletes, it's, athletes it says they train. You know, Andre Agassi, two million tennis balls, and he says they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it. The training we need to do, we get a crown that lasts forever. And we don't even see the importance of that. I think, oh, so training very hard transforms us more than trying very hard. Anyone play the piano? Ben is admitting playing the piano. I'm going to ask you here, Ben. So Ben, did you like just... We, now this better be the right answer because I bet you're a natural, aren't you? Did you, just, did you ever practice on the piano or did you just like... A lot. You were a lot. And you went to like a music school, didn't you, when you were a kid? And like, did you practice the piano then? Like every day, in the morning, yeah? And, I, and is Ben quite good at piano? He's amazing, isn't he? So I remember when Ben first rocked up at the music rehearsal, and I, I didn't know Ben at all, he'd just kind of been in the church two minutes, and he, Ben just goes on the keyboard, and he's like, okay, just play a little song, and he just... I'm like, whoa. I would like to be like that at the keyboard, you know. But, like, he's practised, doesn't he? I mean, this, there's this... There's this I, I watch, I, do you know sometimes you're watching something on YouTube and it gives you another thing on YouTube? Don't always watch what it suggests. But this, this was a random one, and it suggested this lady playing the piano, because I'd Googled in, like, practicing the piano. Anyway, this lady comes on, and she's playing the piano. And she's, like, amazing. She's playing the piano, and she's flicking her hair around, and she's, like, looking incredibly glamorous, playing the piano. And there's this orchestra doing George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, and I'm thinking, oh, man. But she's loving it. It's not like, oh, flip, playing the piano. But I'm sure there's a time when she's playing the piano. You know, she's learning to play the piano, whatever. But then when she's doing it, she's like, whoa, I love it. John Ortberg, in the book I told you about, uh, says, uh, in the life you always want, he says, training is essential for any significant endeavor in life, running a marathon, becoming a surgeon. Imagine a surgeon just said, I'm not going to train. Just going to lie down there. Just let's just get in there. We'll just cut your hip off. You'd think, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Running a marathon. I did couch to 5K. I did get off the couch. I didn't get to 5K. I did try. I got to 20 minutes, and then my body went, no! 
learning to play the planet. The need for training, and I'm speaking this to myself and I'm appealing to you, the need for training does not stop when it comes to learning the art of forgiveness and faith and joy and humility. It applies to, the, uh, applies to a vibrant spiritual life just as other activities. Learning to think, feel, speak and act like Jesus is at least as demanding as training to run a marathon or play the piano. Amen? You can't just try to be Jesus-y. You can't just try to work, think, I'll just be like that. And, and the way you do tr- training is training is a bodily activity. It actually, you actually have to get off your sofa and do it. You can't just think yourself. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You can't just think yourself into, into to, to being more like Jesus. You have to do something with your body. And actually, Paul talks about, about this. He says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, or fight like someone beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and master it. Your body is where the action is. It's not like, I think, spiritually, I'll do something. Your body is where the action is. In fact, Paul flips it over in Romans 6.12, and he says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, or flesh, some say, so that you obey its sinful desires. Okay, we don't want to do that. And he says, this is how you do it. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer your body to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer yourself to him as infants of righteousness. So when, you, when you're going to go, when you're thinking of sinning, or when you're sinning like automatically, your body's involved. It is. So when you're driving a car and, and you lack patience and someone cuts across you, you don't just, hmm, I feel angry. You know, you, you kind of want, you, your body wants to do that. It's because your body's involved, your body's involved in sin. I don't need to name sins that, that involve your body. You know, the seven deadly things, seven deadly sins or whatever, they involve your body. Your body's involved, so you've got to say to your body, no, we're not going to do that, we're going to do something else. We're going to offer ourselves to God as instruments of, of righteousness. I've got to do something with my body. I've got to get my body up from horizontal and sit on the side of my bed and read my Bible. I've got to say no to picking up my iPhone and I've got to say, right, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. Well, I don't know what to pray. Well, I'm going to make a list and then I'm going to pray about that. Or, and when I say I'm going to pray for something, I'm really I'm going to pray for it. But I have to do it with my body. One of the things I struggle with sometimes is when I'm praying, I think, do I need to speak out loud? Does anyone else think that when you're praying on your own? I mean, some of you. I think, do I, does, can't I just do it in my head? And I can do it in my head, but actually sometimes when I pray with other people, we prayed as elders Friday morning after we'd all got lost in the rain and found Asm's flat and it was a bit of chaos. We had a powerful time, but because we spoke it out with our bodies, it kind of embeds the prayer. Wasn't it a good time? But now, the, one of the things we're just saying about this, I need to race. One of the things we're saying about this is, is grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. We tend to think, don't we, it, we tend to think that actually we don't have to make an effort in Christian life. That actually, if we do, we're earning God's favour. We're earning God's favour. Let me give you another quote. Uh, J.K.A. Smith, again, in the book I quote, says, There's no formation without repetition. Lots of Christians affirm repetition in all kinds of spheres of, of, their, of their cultural life, whether they're musicians or athletes or teachers or whatever it might be. And then they somehow think that repetition is illegitimate, empty ritual in the spiritual realm. He says, but this is a very modern new idea. Why are we scared of empty rituals? Why are we scared of that? Because actually, the church 500 years ago, that's all they did. 
They didn't try and be, engage with it. It was all like, you know, I, I, I fasted four times this week, tick. You know, I've, I, I've read my Bible every day, tick. I've prayed, tick. I've given my money to the poor, tick, tick. And it was all like, okay, it was about earning in those days. It was all about earning. You know, Martin Luther saying, no, no, it's not about earning. You know, actually, it's about faith in Jesus. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's faith in Jesus. I'm not earning this. And it felt like, you know, 500 years ago, everyone like, was just trying to earn their way to God. I was listening to some, a sermon and, 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 and thinking about this. The Christian's challenge in today's culture is not earning our salvation. But, and then I'm quoting a bit from Mark says, entitlement, sporadic engagement, passivity, commitment, phobia, and insatiable consumerism. Can I just ask, is anybody trying to earn their salvation here? <laughs> Is anybody fasting seven days a week? Six? Five? Is anyone like giving all their money away? Is anyone trying to earn their salvation here? Is anyone on a rotor because they think they're going to go to heaven if they're on the rotor? Ben Jones has got a lanyard on. You don't think that, do you, Ben? No. I don't think anybody in our culture is thinking, oh, I'm going to earn my way to heaven this morning. I'm going to earn my way to heaven. Most people in our culture think, no, oh, I can't be bothered. We're slacking off, out. we've got the feet up, we've got Netflix on, we're sporadically engaged, we're passive, we've got commitment phobia, don't ask me to serve. We've got, you know, consumerism, what's in it for me? And the reality is we're just kind of switched off, we're just kind of disengaged. And I'm saying this to me, I mean, I've got a Netflix subscription. And I waste hours, like, trying to find something to watch. And then I waste hours watching things. Some of them are good, but a lot of them aren't. And I'm, this is not like a slam on Netflix. I've got Netflix. But what I'm saying is that the reality is most of the time is we're not trying, so, trying to earn our salvation, are we? Most of the time we're like slacking off, aren't we? Thank you for being honest with me. Most of the time we are. So this is about, go back to the slide. Uh, this is about repetition, not legalism, not trying to earn it. Dallas Willard says there's no question of doing this purely on our own. But we must act. God's grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. In other words, when we're trying to lean into these things, when we're trying to lean into what are the things we can do to make us like Jesus, we're not trying to earn God's favour. We're trying to put our line, align our brains, align our bodies, align our pathways into things that's going to wire us to be more like Jesus. And I, I, and I hate books called Spiritual Disciplines. I've got about ten and I'm reading at the moment. And I think, oh God, stop it. John Mark Comer, on this particular subject, calls them spiritual practices. The thing about spiritual, though, is we tend to think it's out there. Spiritual is like out there, but actually spiritual is like in our body. It's kind of down to earth. It's in the daily routines. It's not like spiritual practices are somewhere up there. It's the same practices that wire us in every kind of behavior. A spiritual practice is an activity within our power that habitually uh, practiced allows us to reach the point where we can do what we could not do by direct effort alone. And I think he uses the illustration of kids getting uh, cake from the shelf. I quite like that one. I, th- I can relate to this. I can relate to this. The kid wants the cookie on the shelf. The kid's too small to get the cookie on the shelf. So what does a kid do? Gets the chair to climb on to get the cookie off the shelf. Yeah? What's the spiritual practice? The chair. It's not about the chair, is it? It's not about the chair. It's about the cookie. It's about the bun on the shelf. 
But actually, that's what spiritual practice is. It's like a chair. It's like a thing that we can do. I can get the chair, even though I can't grow six foot to get the cookies. I can do something that allows me to reach the goal that God has called me to. Now, there's a load of these, and I'm not going to go into them uh, right now. But let me just give you a little diagram. There's kind of like, there's four things, there's kind of a little axis, really. Um, loads of people have kind of talked about this. Abstinence means things that you don't do. We're stopping doing something. Engagement things, things that you do do. And then there's things you can do alone and things that you can do together. So let's start with going to church. Bottom left. Bottom. Is that your bottom? Your bottom right, isn't it? Bottom right. Going to church. That's something that you do that you do in community. Does that do you good? Do you get to heaven by going to church? No, but does it do you good? It wires your brain Sunday by Sunday to worship, to listen, to think, to engage, to be in community, to eat cookies, to love people. It encourages you to do all those things. Worship wires you. It's something You can do it on your own, but sometimes you do it in community. It's something that you actually do. So I, I, you know, I like to clap and raise my hands, but like raising my hand is my, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging my body. I'm engaging my body. I say, I'm, I'm here. I'm worshipping. I'm engaging. You do that, and it changes the way you think. Let, let, let's take another one. Generosity. It's something that often you do in community, that you, that you, you say, I'm going to give my money away. Or confession. You say, you're saying to somebody, actually, I'm struggling with this area of sin. Please pray for me. All of those things are like chairs that help you to get there. And some of us like the stuff on the bottom right because I like people and I like action, so I'm kind of bottom right. Some people like stuff on the top left, like fasting and, 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 and being on your own and, and, and solitude and thinking, right, I'm going to just turn off my phone I'm just going to turn off every distraction and I'm going to be on my own and I'm going to say, Jesus, you're here, now I'm here. I find that really hard. I remember one time I was really struggling, not with chocolate, but I was struggling with like just my whole inner self some years ago when I was leading a church in Manchester. And I said to the, my associate, Wayne, I said, look, I just need some time just to go away, clear the garbage, clear the muck, and I went away for four days. I didn't take my phone. I didn't listen to the radio. I didn't take any books to read. I didn't watch the telly. I just was on my own. And I just let God do heart surgery on me. And it was really difficult the first couple of days. I was like, oh, my hand busting. My head's... But eventually it felt like in the quiet, God did some work on me. So you can do things like, uh, you can do things alone that engage like Bible reading, acts of mercy. And I'd say in those things, you get the idea, we're going to jump through those. By the way, it's not like, ha-ha, how many, how many have you got? How many have you got, Tom? How many have you got, Adam? You know, all of them, says Adam. Yes, of course. Yeah, how many have you got, Christopher? Mm, two. <laughs> how many you got? How would you have been preaching this sermon? Well, yeah. you know, what, it, it isn't about that. It's about saying these are good ways to wire. These are the chairs. This is the training we can do to help us. And so, uh, lean into your strengths. This church is very much a, when you come to church is very much an extrovert moment. Some people do not like to go to tea and coffee. I think that's not my preference. 
I like tea and coffee, but tea and coffee is actually not about tea and coffee, is it? It's about community engagement, friendship and building fellowship. Yeah, it's about that. And some people are introverts, like some people are extroverts, say like, oh man, you want me to sit down and be quiet and pray, like I'm really struggling with it. my mind's all over the place. You've got to lean into your strengths, but work on your weaknesses. Let me just finish with these couple of ideas. So as we were praying actually, when we prayed on Friday as elders, I really am done. When we prayed as, as elders on Friday, I thought, actually, we, how do you think about spiritual disciplines? How do you think about spiritual disciplines? Do you think it's like rowing? Or is it like sailing? Is it like rowing? Or is it about sailing? I can tend to think of trying to live, a G, live like Jesus is a bit like rowing. Right, there we go. Bible reading. Four days, five days, yeah, oh, missed, oh, okay, never mind. You know, and we need to add to that, we need some fasting, and we need some, that, that, some solitude, and then we need to be nice, give our money away. And then I was like, oh, and you think at the end, you just collapse. And you think, well, I'm, I can make some progress. And, and it's not like that. That's about, like, human effort. That's effort, effort. But to be a rower, you still have to train, and you still have to make an effort. But it's actually, that's not how Christian life. That's not how Christians have it work, work. It's much more like sailing. Does anybody here sail? Anybody here know how to sail? One or two? Look at, look at these. I have no clue how to sail. I've got no clue how to sail. But, but I guess if you put me in a big boat and said, right, sail, I couldn't do it, could I? Because you couldn't do it. If you've never sailed, you wouldn't know what to do. You've got to train, haven't you, to sail? You've got to make an effort to sail. You see them in the Olympics and they're hanging out on these things and then the, the boom goes over and they whoa, whatever, and, and they're like... Doo, 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 doo. You've seen them. It, it takes effort, doesn't it? So it still takes effort, but there's something else going on. There's something else moving you along. Yeah? So don't think that I'm saying, right, we need to all muscle up and get Joe Wicks on our phones. Now, me. I'm saying, no, there's, there's things we can do, there's habits and wiring, but actually, when we do those, when we open our Bible in the morning, it might feel like a, a, an effort, and you think, what, a whole chapter? Oh. And then you read it, and then suddenly you feel like, like I said about Timothy, it says, like, it, this, it's all it's God-breathed. You suddenly feel the Spirit of God blowing in you, and it reminds you of a verse or some idea, and you think, oh, come, and then what you do is you, you text it to your friend. <laughs> And, and they text it back to you and you think you can feel the wind. And then like during through the day, instead of like trying to live like Jesus, you're thinking, hey, God's spoken to me. God's spoken to me. I mean, this morning I read about Elizabeth and Mary, like the baby sort of story. And there's a little verse in there. It said, Elizabeth's going to give birth even though she's old. And I thought, God, God say to me, you can still give birth to things, Howard, even though you're old. And I texted my boys, who I'm reading with, my, my two sons, and I said, you can give birth to things even though you're young like Mary and nobody thinks you're up to anything. Oh, God spoke that to me. I can live with that today. Then after try, I did that. Let me just read you one scripture. I keep saying I'm finished. I really need to have more integrity. Let me read this. I've read this on Wednesday. This is what I read on Wednesday. I found it really helpful. 2 Peter, two, two slides on 2 Peter. Just see if you can see God's wind in this. See if you can see effort and see if you can see results. 
Okay, let's read it. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who is called by uh, our own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world called by evil desires. What do you see in there? What's the big, I've even helped you. God's divine power, you can feel the wind there. Peter says, look, there's a wind, there's God's divine power, there's this divine nature, so you can escape the messed up world. And then he says this, which is really surprising, isn't it? In the next verse, he says, for this very reason, make every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, fellowship, and to fellowship, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, they're not just, they don't just come at the beginning, you've got to work on them like muscle, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. So you've got to make an effort, that's the training. And what do you have to do? Let's just play this quickly. So if you, were, if you need to get growing perseverance, what would be a good thing to do? No, no, you can't do that because that's the cookie on the shelf. What's the chair that you could bring in? You could fast. How about doing something along obedience in the same direction? And this is not like some slam, get on to church rotors. Serving on church rotors is like a good way. Doing a working family space and saying, I'm going to help there, or volunteering. Doing something that requires again and again. Service is a good way to, to kind of build perseverance into you. I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. What about, uh, let's pick another one. What about uh, self-control? So you're struggling with self-control. What would be a good thing to do? You can't get self-control immediately. What would be the chair you'd bring in? Fasting might be good, yeah? You've got a bodily desire that you can't sort out. Why don't you fast? Why is that? Because it's training your body in a different way. Training your body saying you don't get chocolate or porn. You get a different way. No, I'm saying no to body, yes to that. Well, let's choose another one. How might you get How might you get fellowship? So easy, come on. Be with people. <laughs> Be with people. How might, you get, how might you get faith? Last one. How might you get faith? You can pray. Pray and ask God to do stuff, couldn't you? And then see him answer. That would build a muscle of prayer. How about this one? Give your money away. I've got no money. I, oh, well done. No. I trust God, give my money away. Boom. God meets all my needs. There's loads of stuff you can do, and it's the training that we want to do. Okay? Because you know the bottom line is, if you don't do theirs, you are going to be ineffective and unproductive. <coughs> Boom. So I've put, for exa- I gave some other examples here. For every effort, make every effort. You, to, to discipline your body's desires, take fasting once a week. It's like a prescription. Take one of them every week. To tackle pride in your community, be in community at least twice a week. Because, you know, if you're an idiot... You're a big head. People are going to tell you, and I hope they will. Please don't form a queue at the end of the meeting. <laughs> if you're easily distracted by your phone, put your phone down and memorize some Bible. Let's finish. Therefore, do, I do not run like someone running aimlessly or fight like someone beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and master it so that after preaching to others, I will not myself be disqualified. So I want you to just encourage here to kind of have a think about what you do with your time. Have a think about what you do with your time. Take, like, 
right, I, I dare you, I, I promise I'll do it if you do it, okay? And then we can compare notes. Think about, like, from when you go out of this meeting, think what you're going to do with your time. Write down everything you kind of do with your time. And then think about, are there, is there anything in there that's kind of forming you in an unhelpful kind of way? Some of those could be sinful. That would be handy to cut that out, wouldn't it? But some of those that are, like, just lazy or, like, forming you just in a wrong way, like, cut that out. And replace it with something else. Replace it with something else. TV off. Ooh, even though I'm saying it, I'm feeling... <laughs> Is there a game on this afternoon? Ooh, ooh. TV off. Study on. TV off. Having someone round for dinner on. Yeah? Let's, let's, come, let's finish here. I think the picture of the sailboat's super helpful. Picture of a sailboat. I tried to find the best picture of a sailboat I could find that you wanted to be on that sailboat. Do you want to be on that sailboat? Do you think, oh, come Holy Spirit, just blow on me. But I don't know how to sail. Hey, learn to sail. Get yourself ready. I know how to steer. I know how to navigate. I know how to put the sails out. I know how to wind them in. But you know, then I'm going to sail. I think that the call today is, are you ready to be a sailor? Not a salesman. Christopher's praying the other day, and he said, Lord, we want to be salesmen. I thought, no, we don't want to be salesmen, because salesmen, salesmen like say, right, okay, I've got this easy scam here. I've got this. If you do this, your life's going to be amazing. Come do this, salesman. Here's an advert for Christian Living. Salesman, here's a really nice picture of a boat that you think, yeah, I want to be this person. It's actually sailors, isn't it? Sailors, we say, we want to learn to do the right things, to catch the wind of the Spirit. Why don't you stand, and we're just going to set ourselves out. So I don't know if some of you, I like to put my hands out. I don't want you to set your sail. Come on. Don't poke anyone in the eye. Just kind of reach out your hands whichever way you can. And we just say, come now, Holy Spirit. We want to learn to sail. We want to know what it is to catch the winds. To set the sail and get the right sail high. And we want, we don't want to know what it is, how to, how to change course. We don't want to, want to know how it is to, to cope in the storms. But Lord, we want to feel your power moving us forward. So we say, Lord, we're going to make every effort. We're going to train ourselves to be godly. We're going to reset and recalibrate our sails. We're going to stop trying to row and fail. I'm just no good. We're going to feel like, come Holy Spirit and blow on us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we say, you're the one that we want. You're the great prize. You're the one who we set our hearts on. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to live like you. We want to follow your ways. Lord, and so if you had to, if you went into solitude to be with the Father, we say, hey, we'll follow you there. You prayed early, we'll follow you there. You studied. Even as a kid, people knew, why you're amazing. Lord, we'll follow you there. You showed love to the poor. We'll follow you there. So we say, come, wind of the Spirit. 
For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.